your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. The triangle set to the top of the pattern. Now Spielman in motion to the near side. Rolling right is McCaffrey. Throws it toward the end zone. Wide open is Noah. Makes a catch. And it is a touchdown. Nebraska. Now let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Thank you and welcome to Sports Nightly. It's our hump day edition here on a Wednesday night. Hope you've had a good week to this point in time and you're halfway to Yet another weekend. Some nice weather popped up in Lincoln and Omaha late this afternoon. A lot of the state enjoying some sunshine today. Hope you had a chance to maybe go out for, take a little walk sometime today. we got quite a show lined up for you tonight. In fact, we're going to change things up a little bit. Just coming up here in just a couple of minutes is Nebraska President Ted Carter. He's going to join us for the latest on some of the thoughts and information that he can pass along to us about finishing out this school year at UNL. Obviously, he oversees UNK, UNO. And UNMC, which has been in all of the headlines because of the fantastic work that the Medical Center has been doing to help us all combat COVID-19. So we're going to get a lot of information from President Carter coming up here in a couple of minutes. Later on in the hour, we're going to debut a Husker huddle. Now, Ben had Jeremiah Searles on last week to talk about this new uh, part of our program, which we're going to have once a week. Jeremiah is going to sit down and chat with former teammates of his, former Huskers, and catch up with them and see what they're doing. Tonight, going to sit down with Brent Qualley, who just recently signed a free agent deal with the Houston Texans. So looking forward to that, see what uh, Brent thinks about that new venture since he's been in New York with the Jets the last couple of years. Uh, so we'll look forward to hearing from big old Brent Qualley, still hanging around in the Nashville football after six or seven years. Looking forward to Jeremiah's chats each and every week. Again, the Husker huddle begins tonight with Brent Qualley a little bit later on this hour. Ben will join me later on as well for the day's headlines. Lots to do with Husker basketball, Fred Hoiberg, and even as Josh mentioned in the ticker, we'll touch on Indama and Sue. Looks like his career is going to continue with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So a full show headed your way tonight. We're back with University President Ted Carter next. We're back on Sports Island. Greg Sharp with you here on a Wednesday night. And what a special guest we have now joining us here on Sports Island. That's University of Nebraska President Ted Carter. And, uh, Ted, it's it's great to have you with us. I wish we were talking about spring football. Unfortunately, all of that has been shut down. How, how, let's just start with how are you doing? How are you holding up with this incredible last couple of weeks that we've all lived through? Well, thanks, Greg. Uh, I'm doing fine as uh, I know uh, – most everybody I've met uh, here in town in uh, Lincoln and all over the state, uh, I know these are uh, tremendously difficult and trying times, but uh, people are staying resilient. Uh, I've been very impressed with everyone I've run across. Obviously, the day-to-day operations of, of the campuses have been upended. Can you give us all an update on what's, what is taking place right now at the four campuses around the state? Well, we've, uh, we've had to shift gears, uh, obviously, with the, the situation at hand. Um, we've uh, made some early decisions uh, working collaboratively, collaboratively with everyone from uh, the governor's office. Uh, Governor Ricketts has been tremendous working with us uh, to the mayors of Omaha and Lincoln uh, across the entire state, our uh, fellow educators in the K-12, uh, K through 12, as well as the superintendents of schools. Uh, we've made three really big decisions that I think everybody's uh, starting to hear about. The first is to make sure that we're taking care of our uh, uh, our individuals, our faculty, our staff, our students, their families, and the communities in which we live, making sure we're making the right decisions uh, for how to uh, take care of ourselves through good hygiene, 
separating ourselves appropriately, uh, and just uh, working remotely as much as we can. And of course, we are uh, continuing on with our education mission. We are ready and already prepared, in some cases have already been doing it, teaching remotely so that we can deliver the high value education that uh, we promise our students and their families. And then the last piece is to make sure as best we can is not to disadvantage anyone. Uh, we've uh, been working hard on emergency leave rules, uh, working remotely from home, uh, everyone from our hourly wage workers to even our uh, students who work uh, on our campuses to make sure that we best take care of our entire workforce. You oversee over 50,000 students at the four campuses of UNL, UNK, UNO, and UNMC. This is spring break week, so the students were going to be gone this week anyway, but it kicks back up next Monday, and I know you're shifting everything to online courses. What can students expect about that? And and some things may not translate to good online courses like dance, art, music. Your thoughts about making that transition to that? Well, the first thing I want to do is I want to compliment the, the entire faculty and staff. Uh, they have really stepped up. You know, when a crisis happens, you really do see the best of people. Uh, the really good news is about three years ago, the university system uh, approached this idea of a single Internet technology uh, capability, and that's really set us up for success. We are able to translate and transition to uh, teaching remotely. Now, this is a little bit different than online courseware. If you think about what online courseware is today in higher education, it's usually products that reside in the cloud, PowerPoint, maybe even some videos that are pre-recorded, and then that material is delivered to students whenever and uh, however they want it on their timeline. Uh, teaching remotely may be still uh, teaching uh, on a schedule where a faculty member or teacher will be using products like Zoom or Skype as we're using here today, many other Google Hangouts or other products uh, but a product like Zoom, we can put, uh, you know, up to 5,000 people on a single conference call with video. So uh, these new technologies and products working out of the cloud with not really that much concern for bandwidth allows us to go into this, uh, uh, this type of teaching uh, very rapidly. And our faculty have uh, transitioned to that. As you point out, some things are experiential. They don't translate as well from remote education. Uh, we're being innovative as much as we can. We have to live within the accrediting rules for things like uh, you know, teachers uh, that need actual classroom time, uh, some medical uh, medical training, dentists, nurses. Uh, they need a certain amount of hands-on. And we're working with our accrediting bodies to make sure that we can deliver through uh, innovative uh, techniques uh, using simulation uh, to get through this. So we want to make sure that we're getting this right. President, your, your background is, is, is in the military. How much have you relied on that, and how much has that maybe helped you navigate the last couple of weeks? Well, a lot of people have asked me that uh, after serving in uniform for 38 years and flying off aircraft carriers most of life, and a lot of that was going into uh, uh, contested combat. Uh, I, I see some similarities, uh, but I will tell you that uh, in, my, uh, in my years, I've never actually experienced anything quite as comprehensively uh, affecting uh, an entire population, not just here in the state of Nebraska, our nation, around the globe. Uh, the toughest thing in a crisis is to be able to tell your people uh, some predictive uh, outcomes. Uh, the one thing I can say about this is we will come through this. Uh, we will learn an incredible lot about ourselves and uh, uh, new capabilities of how to get things done. Um, 
but there's still some unpredictability here. We don't know exactly when it will end. We'd like to be able to think it'll end within 30 days, maybe 60 days. Uh, we're certainly thinking through that strategically, whether it be how to get through the rest of this spring semester, our summer uh, classes, and then, of course, getting ready for new students and welcoming back our students in the fall. Visiting again with University of Nebraska President Ted Carter here on Sports Nightly on the Husker Sports Network. You mentioned safety briefly there a moment ago. If somebody's out there, they're a parent of a student, or maybe we have a, an actual student who's on spring break right now, what, how, how can you reassure them that they're going to be kept safe if they come back on campus to continue their studies here in the next week? Well, as I said, our number one priority uh, here across all our faculty and staff, I think we've communicated it very well, uh, is to make sure that we're taking care of our students, uh, making sure that we're taking care of our faculty, our staff, you know, we have this amazing medical center who's giving us great advice. Uh, They're one of the best medical centers uh, in the world. Um, and we're just asking people to follow guidelines, make sure that uh, we have an understanding where our students have been. We've brought uh, pretty much all of our students back from international travel. Uh, we've uh, used quarantine procedures where we've had to. Uh, and I'm very proud that, uh, you know, thus far as testing is increasing, uh, at least within our campuses and within our student body and our faculty and staff, our numbers have been uh, virtually uh, almost none. Uh, in fact, the state of Nebraska is showing very low numbers. I would expect those will rise as more testing occurs, uh, but we're starting to get better understanding of this virus and, and how to fight it and beat it. You mentioned UNMC, and, and you and I talked a few weeks ago, and you had been up and seen up close and personal some of the work that they were doing. Can you expound on that for our audience, some of the some of the projects, some of the influence that UNMC is having as we fight this COVID-19? Well, they are truly uh, leaders there, not just in uh, research and development and the study of infectious diseases, uh, and not just how they teach our doctors and our nurses and our dentists, uh, but they have uh, created, uh, going all the way back now, uh, about 15 years to some of the, uh, you know, the big uh, pandemics or early versions of a pandemic from Ebola, to uh, H1N1, to SARS, to MERS. Uh, our medical center has dealt with this for years and uh, they were prepared. And I'm so proud of our state, how we took the, uh, you know, the, the American citizens that were uh, brought back from the cruise lines. Uh, and as we've actually helped some of those people get back to health. Uh, and our biocontainment center is uh, one of the more unique facilities in the country. And as we have seen a validation of the need for that, I think there's going to be a lot of talk about a validation for a need for something bigger that may even come to reside here in Nebraska. So everything that our uh, University of Nebraska Medical Center as well as Nebraska Medicine has done to date, uh, we as Nebraskans should just be so proud and we should continue to listen to the best advice that they give us. Fantastic. You were a student athlete yourself at the Naval Academy. This is a sports show, so we usually people tune in to hear about Husker athletes and a lot of them have had their seasons cut short what message would you have for some of those young student athletes that had their spring seasons cut short and in some cases that'll be the end of their college career yeah the first thing i would say is uh, everything they got out of their uh, uh, their time here as being uh, uh, student athletes uh, all of their experience everything that they've learned whether they are in a sports that are measured by individual talent and individual effort or part of a team, none of those efforts will go to waste. It will set them up for life and success. Uh, everything I learned playing ice hockey and other sports uh, as a youth and playing four years at the Naval Academy, 
uh, I took, and uh, those were the basics, the foundational basics for what taught me how to be uh, kind of a player coach, a team leader. Um, I, I've explained to many people that the, a lot of the decisions that I made in uh, the most tense times went back to, you know, how I thought about the playing on a friend, friendly sheet of ice or a field uh, and how I thought about uh, how to win in those situations. Uh, I had a, a discussion with Scott Frost today on this very topic. And uh, we're just so lucky to have a coach like Scott and, you know, what he's doing for Husker football. Um, you know, so athletics are a critical part, not just, uh, you know, for how we enjoy the sport itself here in Nebraska, but uh, for taking these young men and women. And they're going to be uh, some of the future leaders in all walks of life uh, going forward. Well, Ted, thank you so much for taking precious time for you to come on with us tonight and inform the folks of the state about what's going on at the university. Hopefully we can have you back on a semi-regular basis as we navigate the troubled waters that we're currently in. And again, just thank you so much for all of your efforts. And I know you're proud of your, your chancellors on your campuses. And as you mentioned, the governor has been great to work with the last few weeks. Everybody seems to be pulling in the same direction through this. And I'll just say that we're definitely going to get through this uh, with the leadership of our chancellors, uh, all of the uh, faculty and staff. Uh, it will not be that long that we will all be in Memorial Stadium uh, cheering Go Big Red and uh, watching the success of our sports teams. And I know we're all looking forward to that time coming in the future. No doubt. Thank you very much, Ted. Have a great evening. Have a great night, Greg. Greg Shire back with you. Wednesday night sports highly here on the Husker Sports Network. We've been telling you for the last week or so about a new segment we're going to debut tonight called Husker Huddle. We've added Jeremiah Searles, the former Cornhusker offensive lineman, to our roster. And tonight we make the debut. Jeremiah Searles here again on Husker Huddle. This week we are joined by the newest member of the Houston Texans, Brent Qualley. Brent, how you doing tonight, buddy? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well. Just trying to keep my head above water here and I uh, just wanted to catch up with you and what we're doing is just catching up with former Huskers and kind of seeing what they're up to nowadays and what they're doing now and I mean you just signed with the Houston Texans which is awesome congratulations to you going into your seventh season as an undrafted guy is incredible you spent the last six seasons with the New York Jets talk us a little bit about this last few weeks I mean you have you you had your baby girl first of all congratulations to that um, a couple really exciting uh, last you. few weeks Thank for you. you. A couple exciting few weeks here. Um, kind of walk us through the emotions that you've been going from becoming a new dad to becoming a Houston Texan. Yeah, I mean, quite the quite the last couple weeks, quite the last month with everything going on in the world right now. But yeah, so we, um, my wife Melissa and I, welcomed our baby girl on March 12th. Chandler Renee Kowali was born on. March 12th, and then free agency opened up on March 18th. Uh, Houston came in strong right out of the right out of the get-go, basically, and we kind of just were going back and forth with uh, a few teams, with the Dolphins, the Vikings a little bit, and the Jets uh, mostly. But ultimately, kind of New York was going in a different direction. Um, kind of a lot of guys were leaving, and when it came down to it, Houston was. Um, the best offer for our family. Um, my old coach from my rookie year is the offensive line coach for the Texans, so there's some familiarity there. Um, I've heard nothing but good things about Houston itself, about the team. Um, so we're really excited to get there. And uh, as you know, welcoming your first child is, I don't think I could put in words the emotions that have been running through our household over the last 10 days. So, um, it's crazy the 
it, there's no other word except for crazy with um, everything going on in the world. It's just, it's a blessing that, you know, she came home safe. My wife uh, got through labor safe and now we're signed uh, going to Houston and just kind of figuring out when we're going to go. Yeah, I mean, that's a big thing coming up with all the craziness you mentioned it here in the world. No one really knows when this is going to end or when the NFL is going to come back through. What are some things that you're now trying to figure out and implement into your lifestyle that you can be ready if you get the call in late June, early May, or maybe OTAs are canceled altogether and you're just going to have to be ready to go in training camp at the end of July, if that's even when you report. I mean, this kind of throws the whole, I mean, myself, you, Spencer Longstrip, we've all been training together for the last six-ish years and we all kind of have this nice regimen of when things get rolling and when we're going to be and now this everything's just kind of turned up on its head what are you doing now training wise and what are you going to kind of shift to to keep your body ready in physical shape so that when you do show up you're ready to perform and ready to go yeah so uh i mean you nailed it that we we've been training together for a long time so uh we have a pretty good routine down of what we want to do um, I was planning to, I, I hit it pretty hard in the end of January through February and early March before all of this happened because I was planning to take some time off anyway when Chandler was born. So I'm kind of just hanging out and waiting um, with the university closed right now, just kind of sitting and waiting uh, to see what's going to happen. But we're going to have to get creative. Uh, I've already been talking with some guys about places to start training here probably in a week or two. Um, to get back and stay ready and in shape because now it even puts more pressure on you uh, to be in really good shape because you could get a call that you got to be there in a week. And if you're just been sitting on the couch during this whole, um, you know, virus stuff, you know, you're going to show up, you're probably going to get hurt, and then they're probably going to move on from you. So we're going to have to get creative. Uh, the city of Lincoln has a lot of good parks that I, you might see me running at here shortly. Um, as far as lifting wise goes, I got I got a bunch of bands at home. I got a few weights at home. Um, I know there's a couple gyms still open. So if we need to start training there, that's what we're going to do and take take precautions while we're in there. Bring bring your hand, sanita hand sanitizer along and be able to really just uh, do what you can to stay ready to go whenever that call is, is made. And I got to be down in Houston. Can't wait to see you with a squat bar on your back and a mask on your face and gloves on as you're, yeah, as you're just making sure you don't bring any, yeah. any infections home to baby Chandler. Quali, you've played yeah, seven, seven years in the league, which is no easy feat whatsoever. But let's back it up to when you were at Nebraska. No spring ball for the Huskers this year. And I remember you, myself, a lot of guys is where you make your biggest leaps into spring in the spring because you're building the ground blocks for the fall. What were some of those spring balls like for you early on in your career? I know as you get older, you hate them a little bit more because they hurt more. But I mean, I'm talking when you're a freshman, sophomore, like what did spring ball mean to you? And what does it mean to not have it for these young players? Yeah, uh, spring ball is huge because you, you're not preparing for a game. You're literally just working on your on your craft. Everyone's just trying to get better. And when you're in it, like, like you said, when you're in it, those 14 practices plus the game, they seem like a lot of work. But then when you really think about it, you only have 14 times plus a game, however much you even play in the spring game. So you only really have a, a short amount of time to try and get better. And the coaches are looking at 
who who's making the biggest strides in spring ball. It was before my our junior year together when um, I was able to kick out to tackle to left tackle and kind of put myself mm, yeah. uh, into a starting role with you on the other side to where that kind of set things up for the fall to where you know ultimately I got to get film in college which ultimately gave me my chance in the NFL and that all started from spring ball so um, it's it's truly like it's just you, you just got to take the mindset of we're really not going to have that many practices and you're going to be able to uh, get out there and try to make yourself better which ultimately makes the team better and that's why it's so huge that with Nebraska missing spring ball this year, you know, they've had Nebraska's had, you know, two four and eight seasons in a row. Um, they were trying to make this the big leap with, you know, the new offensive coordinator, things like that. Uh, a lot of stuff was going to get ironed out this spring. So when you get to training camp in the fall, you just hit the ground running and try to just get better in every little aspect. Well, they don't have that now. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting, you know, if and when they do get to training camp that I'm sure that first week or two is going to just be all learning new stuff. Cause you know, this as well as anyone else that uh, you can draw it on paper all you want, but you got to get out there. You got to walk through it. You got to practice it. You got to get your reps in so that when it comes to game time, it's second nature. So um, it, it's going to be interesting because the Huskers have a, a very tough schedule this year. That back half of the schedule is brutal and it, I hope that uh, I know Coach Frost is going to do a good job as far as trying to adapt from this whole situation. So hopefully, hopefully they can they can pick up on the new stuff early in training camp and get ready to go for their first game. Qual, you got a you have a, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but you do have the strength and conditioning background, and I know that's something that mm-hmm. after post career football you want to get involved in, but. I think you can talk about it a little bit better than most. What is this lack of the strength and conditioning program going to look like? Not just for, yeah, but spring practices and all are really important, but the development for young players is very different. Like you talked about you being in the NFL now. It's very much you have to, you know what to do to prepare your body for a season. You got mm-hmm. guys that just arrived on campus that have no idea what it means to prepare themselves for a season. If you're looking at this as strength, quote, strength coach Brent Qualley, not the player, like what are some big concerns that you have as like a development for some of these players? Right. So like you said, the, uh, the guys like um, the, the early enrollee guys who come in, they're 17 years old. Mm-hmm. They probably haven't really ever put a squat bar on their back yet. And they've really like, which is fine. They don't, they don't need to before you're 16, 17 years old, but that's um, you know, they're in college now. They're, they're, they're turning into men now. So they need to, put some weight on their back. They need to develop all this muscle because that's how you get through a season is a lot of people think that you lift all these weights to get stronger, to be better. That's true. But another big key for uh, why you're, why strength and conditioning is so important is because it's a long season. So you need your muscles to be able to last. Mm-hmm. You need to, your body to be able to hold up to a lot of, a lot of force coming in and they're not getting that right now. You know, they have, they did have a full winter conditioning where, Coach Duvall and the crew had them, you know, squatting a bunch of weight and daddy. lifting a bunch and all that. So they're going to, you know, their muscle mass is going to hold up, but it's just, it's just that if you take all this time off, that's when injuries occur. So if they come back and they try to go whenever, whenever the, whenever everything 
is over with and life can kind of get back to normal, I hope that they are smart about bringing them back slowly because if you just try to ramp it up right away with guys not being able to lift normal, run normal, all that, that's when a bunch of injuries are going to occur. So my, my hope is that they bring them back slow. They can get a couple good weeks of uh, lifting and running in before they get into practice to limit injuries. Yeah. Last question here for you, Qualbear. 2020 season, third year Scott Frost system. Where are some things that you want to see take the big jump? Obviously, we want to see the 6-6 six and six season, if not a better season, to get to a bowl game. First and foremost, that's my goal for this team. Former player, former grinder, former offensive, Husker offensive O-lineman. As you turn the games on in September and the fall, what do you want to see from this team? Just consistency. I think that's the big thing with every team. Um, but not going out there and, you know, being up by 20 and then letting teams come back, things like that. Um, I think one of the things like when we played, uh, when we when we knew we were playing a you know kind of a lesser team, we knew it was going to be a win. Um, and I think Nebraska needs to get back to to doing that. Just seeing these first six games, like we talked we've talked about before, you know the last six games are really tough. So those are going to be like, I mean those are going to be battles. And, uh We'll see what happens. Yeah, but those. Those first six, they got to come out, come out strong. I think, uh, I think it's going to show a testament too is um, how well they can come through all this time off. If they can come out of this, so fine. I guess what I'm looking for is how fast can they come through this whole coronavirus situation, come out and just get back to playing football and get back to winning. Um, but I, I think a, I think a, a real goal for this year is to make a bowl game. I think that's the first step get back to a bowl game and then, you know, not have to worry about if they're going to make a bowl game anymore. It's just what game are we going to get to? Then you can keep stacking seasons after that. Absolutely. Brent Qualley with us on Husker Huddle tonight. Thank you so much for your time, Brent. Congratulations again on your baby girl. And congratulations on signing with the Houston Texans. And we'll catch up again soon. Sounds good. Appreciate it. There's our first edition of Husker Huddle. Jeremiah Searles with Brent Qualley. Always got a kick, Ben, the last couple of years during the NFL's offseason, you would see Quali, Searle, Spencer Long, those guys walking around the football complex, work, getting their workouts. And they all love coming back to Lincoln and being around here, even though Searles and Quali weren't from here. Spencer Long was an Elkhorn kid, but um, it's great to have them. I'm so happy for all their successes, and sure fun to hear that from Brent Quali tonight. Yeah, and that's something that, that I think we took for granted when, when Jeremiah and Brent and Spencer and uh, Alex Lewis and those guys were playing. I don't, I don't know that we fully appreciated how good they were while they were here. Um, and, you know, to take that for granted and, you know, to see all their success in the NFL now, um, you know, it's kind of shame on us for that because that was a really good group. And the thing that's really cool to see is just how close that they've, they've gotten and, and still are. And, uh, obviously, them playing on Sundays is a really cool thing as well. But uh, congratulations to Brent for getting that for getting that contract signed. And, um, you know, obviously, these are going to be a lot of fun listening to Jeremiah talk to his former teammates.
We'll have those each and every week. Looking at Wednesdays to put those on. What a great hour. Thanks to President Ted Carter. Good to hear from Jeremiah Searles and Brent Qualley. Josh Hilkeman did a great job steering the ship. Our Sports Highly Hotline brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. It's time for Famous Days Face-Off. Famous Dave's, your perfect catering choice for business lunches, meetings, weddings, parties, and more. Treat your guests to authentic smoked daily barbecue, made from scratch sides, and award-winning desserts. Famous Dave's, they do catering right. Let's go. Mano a mano. You me, right here. Right now. Now, here are your hosts, Josh Hilkeman and Tim Curran. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's right. We are dual hosting tonight. It, as you could probably tell from the open, this is going to be a lot like Family Feud. Now, Tim and I, we, it takes two of us to make up the personality of a Steve Harvey, so we're going to yeah. do our best. But. I don't we're know. Tim's a ball too. of personality. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> he can what probably I, pull it's it what I try himself. to bring to the table, you know, Ben. I appreciate the compliment already. It's not going to do you any favors when the face-off gets underway, but That's I'm just right. saying Whoa. I appreciate it. Whew. Can I compete Throwing against down the law. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got some brain benders we do. created for you guys. We do. Uh, it's uh, going to be all the more embarrassing when you guys fall flat on your well, face. This is the worst these. part, too, because, like, Literally going to put us on the spot, you know. By so we at least we at least have a few weeks before you know the oil's dumped on us. This is just going to happen immediately. (laughs) Yes. All right. So let's let's run through all the rules of the game show. Uh, As I said before, it's kind of like Family Feud, but with a few twists. You can we'll ask you a sports related question that has multiple correct answers, and you can buzz in by saying your name. You're allowed to. Buzz in before the question is finished, but you do so at your own risk. We'll stop reading the question as soon as you buzz in, and you might get more information later in the question that would help you. So first person to buzz in gets the first guess. If they're correct, they can choose to play or to pass. And if they get it wrong, then the other person gets a chance to guess. If they're wrong, continue alternating until someone gets the correct answer. We'll uh, cross that bridge when we come to it. But when you've chosen to play or the turn has been passed to you, you get three strikes to complete the category, like on Family Feud. Right. If you can't complete the category, the other player has a chance to steal the question, and they only have to get one of the answers right, but they only have one strike to do so. So the winner of each round will get a point. Tonight we're playing best five out of nine points, and winner take all for the night. Oh um, and... Just before we get underway, I'll give you a an example of it, what the right and wrong answers will sound like if you get the answer right. And then if you get the answer wrong, it'll sound like this. <laughs> there you go. There's no doubt which one is which. So Okay. All right. Well, let's jump in. And I will be the decider on who buzzes in first, by the way. so we'll, And what, no cheating, Yeah. Greg. No. no Looking at you. No cheating. You yeah. you guys can see each other, so you can tell if the other person is typing and trying to look up answers. And also another, uh, we're doing a lot of setting the stage here, but these questions will generally get more difficult as we go along. So okay. Question, so if we struggle with the first one, this is If you is struggle with the first night. one, it's, it's going to be bad. You should, you should quit if you struggle with the first one. Yes. That's what I'm going to say. All right. All right, we start with number one. Name the five claimed national championship seasons for Nebraska football. Ben. Greg. All right, Ben, what is your guess? 
70, 71, oh, well, You 90. just have to do one. Just have to do oh. one. So, yes, correct on Sorry. the first one. All right, so you can... You said 70 first, so we'll give you that one. Okay. And then, 1971. Yep. That is correct. We'll play the answer. Good job. 1994. That is right. Good I don't job. like this game. Give me my sounder. Love it. Clean sweep. Keep it rolling. 19... 19- 95, show me the money. There you go. And 1997 for the cherry on top, Steve. There you go. Ben takes category number one with a clean sweep. Good job, Ben. Love it. Good start. I love this game. Wow, that's just impressive stuff. (laughs) Moving on to question numero dos. Who were the three Nebraska baseball players who were hitting over 300 when the 2020 season ended? Greg. All right, Greg, right, you get the first guess. Leighton Banjoff. All right. I'm guessing you're going to play or are you going to pass? I'm going to I'm going to play. All right. <laughs> what are your Luke another freshman, Luke Boynton. Oh. Oh. Ooh. Incorrect. So that's Wait, one he gets strike. three strikes. He gets three, three correct strikes. answers and three strikes. Did he, Man, did he not have enough to six percent of the lineup? Yeah. Did, he, did Luke not have enough at bats? He didn't have enough at bats. Correct. Oh. Okay. That's There's, a trick question right there. Aaron Polinski. All right. So now you just need one more, Greg. And you have Jackson, to do so. Jackson Hallmark. All right. Careful. Boo. So you have one, one more that you need to get, and you have one strike left to do so. Boy, the Boynton one was the one mole I thought was my saver, but I guess he because I know he was over three hundred. Are you sweating a little babies. bit? I am a little bit here. <laughs> so to, to recap, here you've said Leighton Banjoff, and that was yeah. correct. You said Joe Acker, and that was correct. And then the two that you've gotten wrong were Boynton and who was the other one that you just said? You did not. You just gave it away. Yeah, you did. Joe Acker is the final answer. Oh, there we go. My, my bad. Oh, come on. <laughs> oh, no. I'm under protest Kevin, already. Yeah, this is in dispute. That's bad. That is bad. Even that's as one, even one of the hosts. This is, well, uh, you said it was going to be a train wreck, and it is. So precarious I, start. I wrote it down right to, next to the wrong one. That is my bad. You were going to say Schwellenbach, weren't you? No, no. I knew he was under 300. I knew it wasn't. He Spencer. got close in the last game, though. He probably finished, what, 290-something? Probably in there, you know, and the, they've got the stats in front of them. It, so Leighton Banjoff was 341, Joe Acker 306, Aaron Plensky 302, and I'm not sure what on the uh, ones that weren't. Yeah, okay. So I am putting an asterisk next to that one, but we'll, we're giving it to Greg. and you could <laughs> Josh already, could be the winner by the end of this. So. Yes, that's right. <laughs> All right, let's move on to question number three. Name the five most recent number one overall NFL draft picks. Oh, boy. Ben. All right, Ben, you get the first guess. I I like this is tricky, though. Like, well, you can you can get it right and then you can either pass or play. So you don't you can get one. And then if you want to pass it off to Greg, you can. Yeah. Why'd you buzz in if you're just going to play the stall game, Ben? You know, I've got a shot going at all times. You got an (laughs) asterisk already (laughs) on the the last some authority to this game. Yeah. Um, wow, I'm actually drawing a blank right now. He's going to get buzzed. Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett, that is one. He was 
What he, year? What year, Ben? Well, he doesn't need to. What do you, we don't need to do that. You don't need that. <laughs> Tim's ratcheting <laughs> it up on us. 2017. I'm going to pass this one. All right, passing it off uh, to Greg. So, Greg, God. you have three strikes to get the uh, other four. So you need 2015, 16, 18, and 19. Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, is that correct? Very good. You need three more now. Murray was 2019. Mm. Now, there's no way I'm getting this right. This is hard. This is really difficult. Yeah. We, ran, um, we ratcheted up a little bit. It's, you sure did. Um, Joey Bosa? Is Joey Bosa one of them? Oh. Sure. So there's one strike for Where Greg. would he have gone? Like third or fourth, probably? Probably. Chargers at so. like the top five. Eric Fisher. Eric Fisher. Oh. Too far back. You were off by, I believe, a year. I think he was Dang. 2014. Dang. He was a number one overall pick. That's a good yeah. guess. Jeez. All right. You got two, uh, two strikes on you and three left to get. Wow. I will give you a clue because I am clearly trying to help you out, Greg. The clue is all three of these left are quarterbacks. Oh, that's actually a pretty big gift there. Yeah, it is. But who does it help more, Greg or Ben? I already got my answer. Oh. Andrew Luck. Whoa, way too long. All right, so that's three strikes on Greg. Ben, back to you. This is for the win. All you need is one guess. I'll just stick with the Cleveland theme and go Miles Garrett teammate, Baker Mayfield. Is Baker Mayfield on the list? All right, so to complete the category, Ben, you get the win, but the other two were Jared Goff in 2016 and Jameis Winston in 2015. Jameis Winston. Yep. Jameis Jameis. All right, so Ben, right. you're up 2-1. I like it. 2-1 two, two asterisk. 2-1 asterisk, yep. Moving right along to question four in the world of college of basketball. This question comes from, who were the four teams in the 2019 men's NCAA tournament final four? Greg. All right, Greg, what is your guess? Auburn. Auburn, is that correct? There you go. So, Greg, are you passing or playing? I am playing. Oh, all right. So Auburn, <laughs> you, got <the> <laughs> you got one of the one of the four. So what are the next three? Virginia. Virginia is that one of them? <laughs> all right, two left. No Michigan State. Got it. One to go. Double T. <laughs> Texas Tech. Look at that. Hey, at least at least you did this one without any clues or giving answers to you. So there congratulations. You go. Good work. Good work. It's a real Greg. comeback story. Tim, right is he there. a little bitter or is it me? I think I think Ben's seething uh, right now. It's it's getting I'm, a little uncomfortable. I'm good. All right. If we're still giving away answers the tenth time we play this, then we can start looking This at is opening early. night. Yeah, that's right. Have we all, wrinkles here. We all have some jitters here. All right, question number five. This one's this one should be right up both of your alleys. So, name the three most recent opening day starters for the Kansas City Royals, and I need three different names. Greg. All right, Greg. What's your guess? Danny Duffy. Is Danny Duffy on the list? He is. He actually started back to back 
seasons, 2017 and 18. So now we need the other two. Are you going to pass or play? So I'll play. So, all right. The last two is what we're looking for. So no, he was. Uh, so w we're, was last 18. Three. we're looking at 19 and 16 are the years. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Brad Keller. It's Brad Keller. All right, you have I'm, I'm going to be impressed if you get this one. Yeah, this one could. This is going to be harder. This is going to be difficult. Ian Kennedy is Ian mm. Kennedy on the list? Oh, that was my sure. guess. All right, that's one strike. <sighs> okay, so Keller was 19, so I'm missing the 16 yes, starter. 2016. Yeah. They were still viable. They were coming off yes, of their it was, World Series it was championship exactly. year. Exactly. That was the year. I'll go your, your uh, Orlando. Uh, was he Ventura still there? Yeah, Yordano, Yordano Ventura. Ventura. All right. Is Yordano Ventura. Oh. Was that the winner he died? That might have been the winner he died. I thought you were trying to say Orlando Bloom, and I was like, well, <laughs> no, <laughs> could be. No. So two strikes, right, Greg. You have one oh, more that you need to get right to complete the category. But you also Nate roars somewhere screaming at me yes, right he's, now. I can he's yeah. telling hear you who him. it is. Very upset. Um, but no phone a friend option either, so no, sorry. Yeah, that's all right. Cueto that was gone during that offseason. Um, Wade Davis was still the closer that start of that year, but he wasn't the starting pitcher. Um, yeah, Lee. Ben's going to get a shot. Divine you better get, you get warmed up. Ben, Ben's <laughs> waiting, the wings. waiting for the call. <laughs> All right, to recap, you have Brad Keller and Danny Duffy looking for one more. From the year 2016. I, I know it's wrong, but I'll say Jacob Junis. Is Jacob Junis the right answer? Oh. So three strikes over to you, Ben, for the steal. James Shields. Is it James Shields? Oh. Oh. So, Greg, you walk out there and you get the win. Get Who the was category. it? The correct answer, Edinson Volquez. He started oh, the 2016 oh. season opener. It was against the New York Mets, a rematch of the World Series from the year prior. So It's like a Sunday night baseball game, too, I think. Yep, exactly. All, All right, right I question. Think, I think Jordano Ventura died that, that offseason. Yeah. Would that be right? Yep. Yeah, I think that's I think right. So. Yeah. All right, yeah, so that question could have gone better, so we're moving on to number six. Another college basketball one for you. Name the five teams that have won three or more NCAA Division I men's basketball tournaments since 1985. Greg. All right, Greg, what's Our your guess? Duke. There's a Duke on the list. That is correct. Are you going to pass or play? How many, how many answers are there? There's three? Five. There's, There's five. five. There's five. Five, but three or more. So you're looking for there's yeah. five teams that have won three or more. Three or more yeah. since '85. Since '85. Right? Yep. I will play. All right, Greg is going to play. By the way, Duke has have, has won five since 1985. What are the other Austin, four? Austin. It reminds us of that all the time. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> the Kentucky Wildcats. Is Kentucky on the list? <laughs> the Villanova Wildcats. Is Villanova there? You're on a roll right now. The North Carolina Tar Heels. Can I see North Carolina? Woo! go. The hard one's left. That's right. Um, two left. 
There's no, just one. one. Just one. So so okay. far we have Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, and Villanova is off the board. One to go. I think I know what it is. Oh boy! And it's three. It's three titles, right? Uh, they yeah, three or more. Three or more. Yep, three or more. So it could be. More. So it's not Kansas because they've only got two. Um, I shouldn't be crossing things off the list. Giving Ben help if That's I right. miss here. What am I doing? Yeah, quit thinking out loud. Yeah, Come on, Greg. Hey, hey Josh, why don't you just tell him what it is so we can move <laughs> oh, on? Man, <laughs> wow! Never gonna live that yeah. down. The bitterness. That's <laughs> coming through. Um. I think the shot clock is yeah, running the down. Yeah, shot clock yeah. is running down. I'll say Virginia. Virginia on the board. Oh. Oh, so that's one strike. Got two left. Man, I'm having a hard time with this one. It's not uh, Northwestern. Let's go. I can rule that one out. <laughs> uh, Syracuse? It's Syracuse. Oh. Oh, that's two strikes. I got it. Ben's salivating, but do you I have got the right it. answer? What is it? The Florida Gators. Is it Florida? No. <laughs> Not Florida. You were in the right conference. Ben, you get a steal. Who is Connecticut it? Connecticut Huskies. Woo. Yeah. Oh, that, 90, 91, 95, 04, 11, and 15, right? Yep. Four of them. Ben sent us Kemba. like a Kemba Walker hype film today <laughs> that we can watch. All right, so it's good that he got that. We are going to call an audible here. You guys are tied three three, and so we're going to make this a best four out of seven. So whoever okay. wins this question takes the night. All right, here it is. Okay. Question number seven. All right, who are the three teams that had the longest streak between Super Bowl appearances? So at least twenty nine years for all three. I have a question. Yes, that doesn't work. Sure it does. We'll allow with, it, with, but if you, uh, Greg, you can bust it at any time. Yeah, this this could help you too. So between appearances, meaning they have to appear in one, it doesn't include teams that have never played for a while. Right. Correct. Yep. Ben. Correct. All right, Ben. What's your guess? Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns. Oh. Right. Oh. The Kansas City Chiefs. That is correct. All right. So Greg, are you? I guess you don't have the choice to pass or play. You have to play. So we're right. you have two left here. Two left. Okay. Longest streaks from Super Bowl to Super Bowl. Correct. Correct. Right. So, so again, to clarify, that, that does that mean they have to play in at least two? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I got it. Yep. Um. This is a tough one. How about the Atlanta Falcons? Atlanta Falcons on the board. One strike. A decent guess. I'm trying to think, of somebody who was like in there in the seventies and then didn't get back. How about the Indianapolis Colts? Indianapolis Colts. That's right. Okay. Good work. I might know it. One left, and you have two strikes left. How many years? It's at least Just the tw- longest. Yeah, it's the longest. Oh, the longest. Yeah, okay. at least twenty-nine years for all three of these: the Chiefs, sixty-nine to two thousand nineteen; the Colts, seventy to two thousand six; and then this last team. 
It's amazing how many teams have only been there once. Right, like, exactly. Yeah, a bunch, mm-hmm. bunch of teams. Uh, and so uh, I'll guess the Philadelphia Eagles. Philadelphia Eagles. Oh. Two strikes. How about the Rams? Is it the Rams? Three strikes. Ben, you have one chance to steal. This is for all the marbles. If you get it right, you win the night. If you get it wrong, Greg wins. This is a gutsy guess. No pressure. Because it's not a team that you would think it would be, and it's going to look really bad if if I get this wrong. But I'm going to say the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Is it the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? They're making the Super Bowl this this year. It is the Green Bay Packers. (laughs) Really? How about that? 1967 to 1996 was there. So what was the? We need to have Tim look up the Bucks because they appeared in the. It was it 01 against the Raiders. They haven't been around that long. That's what the problem with the Bucks. They only became a franchise in '76. Yeah, yeah, but the '70s. That's that's 30 years almost. Yeah, but then they had to appear in the Super Bowl that So uh, re- recap this one for me, Josh. Who, who came out on top here? Greg came out on top, an asterisk win. <laughs> Greg and Josh came out on top. <laughs> That's right. Who knew that we were playing on, on teams? But there you go. So four to three. That was tight. Good work. Well, what do we think? Did we, did we, what do we think? We like this? I, I think that if I hadn't screwed up that second question, this would have been fun. But overall. I mean, this will go down the history books. This is an all-time <laughs> great. Oh, all right. I enjoyed it. Tim's on board. Yeah. Even though I didn't fun. get any help, I enjoyed it. I hope, ben, people, ben got, I hope people out there enjoyed that. Ben to, got squarely defeated. Pay Tim ahead of time to help you. <laughs> <laughs> he would just keep the money and still laugh at me. Yeah, that's true. He would. We're back on a Wednesday night sports highlight here on the Husker Sports Network. Hope you enjoyed our famous Dave's face-off. Our first try at that. We'll get, we'll get it cleaned up. We'll get it better. Ben will... Stop pouting. He'll be all right. He'll be able to get it cranked up and be back with us here. Um, I want to thank Ted Carter, who was on with us earlier in the show, University of Nebraska president, updating all of us on a lot of the decisions that have been made in the last couple of weeks and kind of where the university is positioned moving forward as we all deal with COVID-19. Now, obviously, this thing is much bigger than the sports world, as we've been hearing from our guests over the last couple of days, but it certainly has affected the sports world. And, and we've talked about how the spring sports got cut short, didn't get a chance to uh, uh, finish up there or even really get through halfway part of their schedule. You had some of the winter sports also get curtailed, and one of those sports is women's gymnastics, and we're delighted to welcome on board the program Tater Houchin, a senior from Republic, Missouri, who the Husker women's gym team was getting close to having their conference meet and then eventually the NCAA. Tater, thanks for joining us tonight. How, How have you processed the last couple of weeks? Um, been wild for sure. Um, it's kind of hard for me to think about myself in a time like this with everything that's going on, all the uncertainties and everything, but, um, it finally hit me an hour and a half after our news. And even then, I don't know if it's fully processed through my mind yet until it comes time to, you know, get ready in the morning for practice and realize I don't need to anymore. So, I mean, I've been doing okay, but it's definitely an adjustment. You tweeted back on March the 12th, you said, and just like that, I'm retired. Thank you to the sport for shaping my life and my character. I'm truly heartbroken and speechless, but I'm going to go do what I've been told my whole life, and I'm going to let go and let God. Uh, boy, I read that. I broke broke my heart to see that. How emotional were those 12 hours, 6 hours, whatever it was, where you guys were probably 
hearing about all these cancellations, and I'm sure you were probably even around some of your teammates at that point in time. What what was that scene like for, for you to relay to us? It was pretty crazy. We found out that the SEC had canceled and then the Pac-12, and then we kind of knew before we even canceled that it was coming because even if we had gone to NCAAs at that rate, it'd be competing against ourselves. So we knew it was basically hopeless. Um, and I live with Sierra, our other senior, and then my other roommate is a golfer, and she's a senior as well. So all three of us, our seasons were just cut right there. So there was definitely a lot of emotions in the house, but um, we kind of all just sat there and cried together and, you know, tried to be with one another in those moments because that's what we needed most. You were having a tremendous year. In fact, yesterday you were named an All-American for your performance on the vault You've been just really dominant throughout your Husker career in both the vault and the uneven bars. As you reflect back on your time in Nebraska, what are what are some of the highlights that, that pop up quickly in, in your highlight reel? Um, you know, specifically just any of those vaults that I would stick. I don't remember exactly when those would happen, but those were the most memorable for me just to see my coach's reaction after I would salute and my teammates running towards me. Um, I mean, they were almost more excited than I was for myself. So it's just really cool to see the teammates' reactions there. And then with bars, I mean, in preseason, in the beginning of season, I was kind of struggling with that event. So kind of these last couple meets before we got canceled, I was able to hit solid routines for my team. And it was just really good to see the hard work I'd put into that event um, play off. Tanner, when you, when you came to Lincoln to, to go to Nebraska, gymnastics is an individual sport, and, and yet at the college level there's a lot of emphasis put on the team aspect of this. How big a transition was that for you, and, and did you enjoy being a part of that, that group, that team? Um, it was a huge transition. In club, I was the oldest girl, so I always went to competitions by myself with my coaches, and I didn't really have to be a teammate. So. My freshman year, that's kind of what I tried to soak in most from the seniors, Jenny Lang and Ashley Lambert, was just how to be a good teammate, how to be a good leader, because I realized that you don't have to be a senior to lead a team. So each year I just tried to get better at leadership, so that way by my senior year I was able to kind of have it locked down, at least for the most part. Um, But I loved being a part of a team. You know, being an individual sport my whole life and then finally getting some fun with the whole team was just the best thing ever honestly i i think everybody that's in gymnastics should pursue the college career because it's that team aspect makes everything so much more fun we're visiting with taylor houchin husker women's gymnast her season and, and now her career cut short because of the corona 19 virus that has kind of shut our entire state or country down how quick did your time at Nebraska go, Tater? Did it, it, people talk about a blink of the eye? You go from being a freshman to your eligibility is up. Did it go that way to you? Yep, pretty much. Um, I don't have a very good memory, so when I try to think back to like freshman, sophomore year, it, it seems like a long ways away, but it went by so much faster than when you think back on it. So definitely went by quick. How You only got a chance to, to practice in the new uh, new facility for a month or so there. How how valuable is that going to be to the future of Husker Gymnastics, being able to have that beautiful new uh, pr- practice facility for both you and the men? It's it's amazing facility, honestly, especially the men. Their old facility was so much smaller than their new one, so it's going to help them tons. And us, too. I mean, 
even that month we were in there, just seeing everything new and having a new appreciation for everything, it gave us a new motivation. So I think it'll really bring in some new commits that are excited about the facility and about the program in general. But I think it'll elevate pretty much everything about Nebraska Gymnastics. You know, you, you talked about some of the highlights for you personally were when you would stick a vault and know that you did you did your best there. Was there a team moment that, that stands above the rest, a win, a participation in maybe the, 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 the national meet? What, what stands out when you think back over your career? Um, I think there's a, there's a couple. My freshman year, we won regular season Big Tens, and that was a really memorable thing for us. I was only a freshman, so I didn't really understand how exciting it was until reflecting back. But um, And then I believe it was my sophomore year or maybe my junior year I don't know but we made super six um which is the step before or the last step for NCAAs which the rules have changed now but um that was a really exciting thing to do too because you know that year we kind of just tried to focus on doing the best we could every week and see what happened so it was really cool to make those those big competitions Tanner, I know your eligibility is up. When are you set to graduate? What's ahead for you? What's the next thing in your life? I'm set to graduate in December. I'm going to student manage the team for my last semester of school um, just to be with the girls still and kind of have a little bit of gymnastics left for me. And then after that, I'm going to try to pursue a career in Circus Soleil, um, which is kind of hard to think about right now with everything shut down. But that's the end goal. So, and then after that, I want to teach high school English. So, well, whatever you end up doing, you're going to do it really well because that's the kind of person you are. Thank you so much for the what the job you did in Nebraska. You allowed a lot of entertainment for a lot of people who are big gymnastics fans. We wish you nothing but the best. Our hearts broken that it didn't get to end the way any of us would have liked that this season to have ended. But best of luck to you, Tater. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Greg Drive, Ben McLaughlin, back with you. Wrapping up hour number two here on Sports Nightly on a Wednesday night. A couple of notes from women's basketball. A couple of players are leaving the program, entering the transfer portal. Ashton Verbeek, who started most of the games this year, is going to transfer to an NAI school near her hometown of Dornt in the state of Iowa. So Ashton Verbeek no longer going to be a part of Amy Williams' program. And Kayla Mershon, Transferring to Minnesota. She'll have to sit out a year unless the new legislation jumps in, which I doubt that happens before next season. So Amy Williams' squad down two players, Ashton Verbeek and Kayla Mershon, both leave the program. Started off the, the show talking about Husker men's basketball. Multiple reports about Nebraska lining up a three-game series with K-State. One game at the Sprint Center in Kansas City. Then they'll play a game in Lincoln, a game in Manhattan. That'll start next December, according to all the reports down in Kansas City. We then, Ben, launched a little runs a Twitter poll about what former Big 12 team would you like to see the Oscars match up with on the hardwood. And Kansas is the leader. I didn't vote for Kansas because they were, we just wrapped up a series of them home and home. But I know Oscar fans love to see the Jayhawks. Yeah, they do. Who did you vote for? I voted for Texas, honestly. And they're like 19% are going with Texas. And you mentioned how you were surprised by the, the votes going for Iowa State. Yeah, I was a little bit. Um, you know, I think my vote went to the Longhorns as well. Uh, I love playing those guys in anything. Um, 
But, yeah, a uh, little surprise Iowa State. I mean, not even just Iowa State, just how balanced that it was. But no surprise that the Jayhawks are taking the lead on that one. There is, there's no chance, no chance that Iowa State comes on the schedule. No. Right? I mean, with Fred. No. With Fred and that, that, honestly, coach. that's probably why a lot of the votes are going there is knowing that it probably won't happen. <laughs> I mean, there's no way he's going to do that. I just, I, I've gotten to know him well enough. You have, too, over the last year. I don't see any way he would step into that pool. I don't know that anybody has interest <laughs> right? in that, to be honest. Speaking of college basketball, you're gonna we're, we are in hopes of lassoing Jay Bellis tomorrow night. That'll be fun if we can get a hold of him. We, we've got semi-confirmation of that, so we think that's going to happen tomorrow. That'll be fun, right? Sure. Yeah, looking forward to getting a, a perspective of one of the prominent voices in the sport and coming to the abrupt end of the season. I, I'm Jay, Jay Billis is not shy on opinions, so I, I'm no. interested in hearing you know, his thoughts on getting the year back. Um, he's a very big proponent of student athletes, specifically men's basketball. So, I kind of I have a feeling I already know what his answer is, but looking forward to hear it from the horse's mouth. Also, Thursdays means Teddy Greenstein will stop by from the Chicago Tribune, and you guys dusted it off last week. We're going to continue it this week. Kind of an early edition of Seven on Seven. We'll look forward to that all on tomorrow night's show.